glad to be at the last night of revival. Uh, it ain't because uh, you just say that, but I can truly say tonight that I'm so happy to be back at the last night of revival in the middle of my accident. I didn't know if I was going to be here or not. I didn't know where I was going to be, uh, but I knew that God was going to have his hand on me. Uh, and, and Brother Gene, like you've said the whole week long about your wife, I feel like my wife, my family would have been the same way. Uh, if I wasn't here today, they would still praise God. Uh, because that's how we're taught, you know, and that's what Christians should be. So in, in good times and in bad times, we ought to just praise him. Uh, so why don't we start tonight off with just a little worship. We're going to stand and go to page uh, 426 in your hymnals. And we'll be doing victory in Jesus.
my mother-in-law to make their way up here. A lot of you, uh, my wife, her name is Victoria Boyd. Uh, I think she is the most beautiful girl in the whole wide world, and all husbands ought to feel that way, but I do, and, and, and it's true for me. Uh, and my wife, I mean, my mother-in-law, uh, I call her Big Bird if you follow me on Facebook, and I don't know why people say, why you do that? I said, I don't know, but that's just what I've always called her, and uh, it used to be Carrie, and her name ain't Carrie at all. For some reason, I just called her Carrie. But every time I give her a name, she always just says, what, son? I'll call her by whatever, and she'll say, yeah. She knows who I'm talking to. Uh, but uh, she has taken good care of me. Both of them has taken good care of me today, and I appreciate that. My little boy sitting right there, that's Kai Parker. And I told you all of, a lot about him last year, and uh, he's just our heart. Uh, so we're going to start off, I, I know I tell you I always like to start off with a song that's kind of upbeat And so my mother-in-law sings the verses to this uh, And some of you may know it, it's an older song But it's called I've Never Been This Homesick Before Table spread in splendor Someone standing by the open door. I can see a crystal river. Lord, I must be near forever. I've never been this homesick before. See the bright light shine. It's just about home time. And I can see my father, he's standing at the door. This world has been a wilderness, and I'm ready for deliverance. Oh Lord, I've never been this homesick before. I can see the family gather, faces old or feeble anymore and this lonesome heart is crying I think I'll spread my wings for flying Lord I've never been this homesick before see the bright light shine it's just about home time and I can see my father, he's standing at the door. This world has been a wilderness. 
your deliverance. Oh, Lord, I've never been this homesick before. See the bright light shine. It's just about home time. And I can see my father. He's standing in the door. This world has been a wilderness. And I'm ready for deliverance. Oh, Lord, I've never been this homesick before. Oh, Lord, I've never been this homesick before. Amen. Amen. Uh, that song just does something to us you know it, I, I started off I think it was Monday night when I talked a few times about heaven and so if we want to sing a song about heaven that's one that we pull at our church and just talking about I've never been this homesick before and uh, Nikki even mentioned it last night brother Gene might have a few times this world is in a mess and and as Christians as believers we want to say today I've never been this homesick before uh, heaven is sounding sweeter every day um, this next song, I think I talked to a lady last night about it. There you are. Uh, my mother-in-law sings the first verse of this song, and so uh, we sing it at our church. And it just uh, simply says, what your mercy did for me. So I hope it blesses somebody. Set me free. 
serve a God who uh, calls us by our name, no matter where he found us. If at one point you were lost, uh, a lot of you may have, like uh, Brother Gene has mentioned a few times, you may have come to church. Well, my parents made me come to church. I was, I was brought to church, and I was. I was raised in the church. All I've ever known is church. We used to have revival Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and it would go on for weeks and weeks, and we would be in school, and sometimes I would just be woke up on the pew and my mom would say come on it's time to go home and so we would just go to revival I said that to say church has been my life uh, growing up I was just always in the church but I still even though I was brought up in the church I had to I had to get to a place where I knew God I need you and and I gotta be saved and I can't make it without you so he had to call me from my own personal grave he called me out of the darkness into his marvelous light and I'm so glad that we serve a God that uh has so much grace and mercy for us. Um, I'm, again, I just want to thank my wife, my mother-in-law for being with me. I don't have very much breath. I don't have a, uh, I can't take a deep breath. And so uh, it just hurts real bad. <laughs> if you ever have pain, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but I also just did not want to, I talked to Brother Jeff and he said, Anthony, he said, our church would understand if you didn't come. And But I wanted to be here. I wanted to be the last night. I wanted to hear. I wanted to be able to say I heard all the messages except for Sunday. I wasn't here, and I'm sorry. But I wanted to hear the message. I wanted to hear what God had to say the last night, and I wanted to see the people, and I just wanted to be here on the last night of revival. And so uh, this last song that we're going to sing, um, you've probably heard this one, but it just says I'm going to see a victory. And I'm determined that no matter how 
how uh, bad our world gets, no matter where I find myself, the Bible says, in whatever state I am, therewith to be content. And so I want to, in whatever state I'm in, I want to find myself content. And by doing that, as if you're just determined to see a victory, uh, was it David? Lord, I may be, I'm not a preacher, but uh, I, I, who said, let me just ask y'all, who said uh, that I, I'm going to see the goodness of God? I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Uh, no matter what he was going through, he said, I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And that's how I feel tonight. Uh, so I'm going to see a victory. I'm determined to do that. Turn it for good You turn 
Amen. Thank you, Brother Anthony, and, and uh, thank you, ladies, so very much for blessing our heart. You know, tonight, uh, we need to understand that as children of God, that life is just not smooth sailing. There are those on TV that tell you that if you give them enough money, you will never have problems or struggles or difficulties. But Jesus himself said, in this world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Satan's a liar and he's a deceiver. And I want to say to you tonight that I think before we go any farther, that we need to thank God for his power beside Brother Anthony last night. Years ago, there was a pastor at New Haven Baptist Church, church where I once attended, surrendered to preach at, Brother Yarbrough and another man that were traveling to revival and had an accident and both were killed. Sometimes we take God's blessings for granted. And God has blessed this man. Now, there's no doubt about it. Satan's gunning for us, <laughs> but God's standing for us. And we're going to thank God tonight. Lord Jesus, we thank you tonight for being with my dear brother. At God, there was trees, there was things, there was a lot of things that could have happened. It could have been a different case scenario tonight. But God, you chose to put your hand on him in the midst of this accident. And God, you stirred in him a spirit that was not one of defeat, but knew that he had victory in Jesus. And tonight he wanted to be here to praise and magnify your name, along with his wife and his mother-in-law and his precious son by their side. Lord, we thank you for that kind of spirit. And we thank you for your presence. And Lord Jesus, whatever days we have upon this earth, May we use them for your glory and for your honor. And Lord, we thank you tonight that we can bow before you and open up your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, uh, I want to say thank you, Wellman, uh, Baptist Church, and Brother Jeff and Bridget, thank you all so very much. It's good to, to be able to get to know you all even more. Uh, we were together years ago, but he was a lot younger then, and not that he's got older, but he don't look the same as he did back then. And, uh, but we just want you to know we, we love you guys. And, and I want to tell you, he has a pastor's heart. Uh, there's a lot of churches don't have a pastor that has a pastor's heart. I know I'm with people every week. And he has a pastor's heart, and he loves you, and I thank God for that. I want to thank God for you for being here. I know that uh, sometimes there's so many things that can distract us, but you came to the house of God. And I pray that God has stirred in your heart a truth that can lead, let you leave here different than you came. I want to tell you that, you know, they, they, I am a full-time evangelist. I travel around preaching I, I'm in a lot of different areas and states and various things at times. But you know what? I really think that sometimes I am as a revivalist. Because you know what? We want to see people saved. But when people get saved, they need to come to an environment where they can grow in and be nurtured in. And sometimes the church just needs a fresh touch and stirring in our hearts. That the fire burns inside of us, and when people come, that we come excited and come to church expecting God to do something. And thank you, ladies and guys. I don't want to discriminate if we have some guys that cook.
but you did an outstanding job. I have lost 25 pounds, and this week I've gained five. And so, ladies, thank y'all so much. No, it's been great. Y'all just had great hospitality, and thank you for loving Brennan and I the way you have. It feels good to be in a, in a place where you feel the Spirit of God, and you feel... We're in some places, I'll be honest with you, when I get through preaching, I'm the last one just about to walk. I'm wondering if I'm supposed to lock up, turn the lights off. But you have a sweet fellowship, and I thank you so much for that. Tonight, if we have God's Word, we come tonight knowing that a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is the most important thing of all. What profits a man if he gains the whole world, loses soul? And yet we spend a lot of the time with people in America today think that if they can satisfy their flesh, if they could just massage their ego, that their lives could be okay. But regardless whether a person likes it or not, there's a void inside of every individual upon the face of this earth. It's a void that no position, prestige, or power can fill. It is a void that only can be filled by an individual coming to know God's Son, Jesus Christ, as the Lord and Savior. And many people, because of the void in their life, they have no purpose, no meaning, and they look a top that's spinning out of control. But that's not true for us that are the children of God. For we have the Holy Spirit of God inside of us that draws us to the Word of God, draws us into the will of God, designs within us a desire to please Him with all of our heart, soul, and mind. You know, tonight as we look at the Word of God, what happens in these few days of revivals? You know, many of you have been here every night. What happens when we come Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night? What has happened really when we come together? You know what's happened for most of us? We've been in the open Word of God every day. And that does not have to stop because revival ends tonight. That Word is essential. You will know who you are by the authority of the Word of God. It reminds you of who you are. It reminds us, as, as, as Romans 8, 16, that God's Spirit, bear with my spirit, that I'm a child of God. How do I know I'm saved? The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of me. And tonight we need to em embrace the Holy Spirit of God and thank Him for salvation. So that should bring praise and exaltation to our, 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 to our hearts and to our very lips. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for saving a wretch like me. Tonight, as we look at God's Word, do we want to really look at ourselves the way we are? I heard a story years ago about a, about a man and a woman who got up in her 80s. They raised their family down in Baton Rouge. They had got up in their 80s and sold everything they had in Baton Rouge. They raised their family there, but they decided to move up here at a Brook Cave in Mississippi. They bought him a house, been living here for some time, and all of a sudden the man, both of them in their 80s, decided, husband and wife, said, let's go back and let's go see our place where we raised our children. Let's go back to the old neighborhood. Let's go back by the old school. Let's go look at those things. They had gotten in their 80s, and by this time she had got kind of hard of hearing. So they get in the car and they take off going to Hammond. But when they get to Hammond, there's road construction. And it took them off the road and beaten path. They pulled into a gas station, which was a full-service service station. For you young folks, you'll have to Google that. It was a time when somebody else pumped your gas. They washed your windshield, checked the air in your tires. It was a different time back then. 
And so they pulled into it, and the man was a little confused because he couldn't go the normal route. And he asked him, he says, now how do you get to Baton Rouge? And the man said, oh, that's easy. You're going to go right up here, and there's going to be a big orange sign. It's going to cut you back, put you back on the interstate. Wife said, what did he say? He, she said, go up here to that orange sign, going to turn back to the interstate. We'll be back on the interstate. The older man looked at the gas attendant and said, fill it up. Gas attendant come back and said, that'd be $42. Wife said, what did he say? Husband said, it'd be $42. The gas attendant said, I noticed you from Mississippi. He said, my first wife was from Mississippi, and she was a mean woman. Wife said, what did he say? Husband said, he thinks he knows you. I want you to understand something tonight. Does God know us? Does God know us? Does God, does God know whether or not we are His children? Does God know if we really have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb? Does God know, know if the Holy Spirit of God truly lives inside of us? For if we've truly been redeemed, the Spirit of God dwells inside of us. Does God know where we are in our walk with God? Can we come around other people and can we dress up and act up and pretend to be something that we're not? Let me tell you, all the Academy Award winners are not in Hollywood. Churches are filled with Academy Award winners who come to church on Sunday. They have a Bible on their arm. They come in as if everything's great between them and God. And on Monday, they live so far away from what God's Word said they ought to live their life. And the sad thing is, they think they're fooling everybody around them, but you will never fool Almighty God. And so tonight, as we look at the Word of God, I want you to go to Luke chapter, uh, chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. And we're going to look at a topic tonight, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And that's what's going to have to happen if you stay in that state of revival. You've got to stay seated at the feet of Jesus. For at the feet of Jesus, things happen. We're going to look at three situations in the book of Luke uh, from the God's Word about sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now the first one is this. It says in verse 36, And one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. Talking about Jesus. He went to the Pharisee's house. He sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in this city who was a sinner. What was she? She was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table of the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of fragrant oil, and stood at, his, uh, stood at his feet behind him, weeping. She began to wash his feet with tears, and wipe his, them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet, and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man... If he were truly a prophet, would know who and what manner woman this is, is touching him. For she is a sinner. Now understand, the whole community knew this woman. Apparently, whatever she was as a sinner, a woman of the night, whatever it is, it was common knowledge to the entire city. It was common knowledge to the Pharisee, this religious man, that she was a sinner. And here is a woman that now comes. Now in that day, there was no association with women, with the Pharisees and, 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 and them out in public. And, and, and they were never invited to the banquet. 
And yet the banquet, because there was no air conditioning in those days, was open on a, usually an open scale, like a patio area. Oftentimes in the front, so the people could see the dignitaries, and they could ooh and all of these people of prestige and power and position. And so there's a crowd gathered out here, and here's a woman. She's a known sinner. The society knows she lives in, she's a sinner. This rare scene knows that she's a sinner. And that they said here that all of a sudden we know that, that she's behind Jesus and she's washing his feet. Takes an alabaster box, expensive perfume, and breaks it and puts it on his feet. She's crying so much at the feet of Jesus, she is wiping the tears from his feet with her hair. Would you say she's in a broken condition? Would you say she has humbled herself before God Almighty, incarnated in Jesus Christ? And so we see here from the Word of God, look what it says. And Jesus said unto him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, Teacher, say it. You see, this prophet does not say, this, this the Pharisee did not say what he was thinking out loud. Does he say it out loud? Not at all. But did Jesus know his thoughts? Does Jesus know our thoughts? Boy, that'll put us back on the right channel now, won't it? It's kind of like that time I was in it, gone several weeks in evangelism and I hadn't been around TV and the news now. That was years ago. Now I don't want to watch the news. I, 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 just, I, I don't want to watch it if I don't have to. I'll watch a little bit, but it's kind of like Fred Flintstone, a little bit that, little, like the, uh, uh, the old uh, Brill Cream commercial, a little dab do you. But you know what? I come in and Brenda was there and she was working at the time and, and, and she said she was talking to me. She hadn't seen me in two weeks and talking to me, and I was going, yes, baby. I was watching the news. Yes, baby, I understand. That's right, sweetheart. When all of a sudden the TV went off, and I didn't have the control. It was in her hand. And she asked me, what did I just say? I said, baby, you're the most beautiful woman in all the world. Can you be somewhere and not be there? Can you have an open word of God before you and not be in the presence of God? Can you pray your self-centered prayers and never touch the, the, the place of the glory of heaven because it's all about you when it should start to be all about Him? You see, here it is, and He says, I'm, i got something i got to tell you. Look what He says. There was a certain debtor who had two, uh, a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. And when they had nothing with within to repay, he freely gave them both, forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? And he sits there and says, first of all, I suppose the one who's forgiven the most. That's only natural that one had 500 denarii, the other 50. We would think the one of 500, that man, he has been forgiven far more than the one with 50. But Jesus' point here is not that one debtor, one debtor is his, what he owed was more than the other. The bottom line is they were both debtors. 
So many times we look at people's lives and we see that downward spiral of more decay of sin. It's in this world. It's open. It's public. People know it. And they say, whoa, he's a sinner. And here's another person that goes to church and they're there, but yet they're there, but they're not there. They, they just go through the religious motions and they've never truly been born again. Do both of them need to be forgiven? But don't we far look at the one who looks to be like far more needs to be forgiven than this one needs to be forgiven? And yet the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says in, in, in Romans 3.23, we've all sinned, come short. That means that, that, that there's no way. But the Bible says in Ephesians 2.89, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not a works lest any man should boast. There's no way you can enter the kingdom of heaven by your own standards. It is God's way or it's no way. And God loved the world in the world yet sinner that He gave His Son Jesus to die for, the, for us. And Jesus said in John 14, 6, that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man go to the Father but by me. There is one way of salvation. It is in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And the Bible says here, as he says this thing, Simon says, I suppose in verse 43, the one who forgave more. He forgave more. He says, you're rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, he said, do you see this woman? I enter your house, you give me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. She also gave me, you gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with this fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many. Now wait a minute. This is the, the, the city knew that she was a sinner. The religious person knew that she was a sinner. But Jesus knew she was a sinner. Did that stop Jesus from doing the work that only Jesus can do in her life? Did that stop Him? Aren't you glad of God's grace? Aren't you glad that God loved us and that while we're yet sinners that He gave His Son Jesus to die for us? Aren't you glad tonight to know that if life comes to an end because of my faith in Jesus Christ being redeemed by the blood of the Lamb with the Holy Spirit of God inside of me and the authority of the Word of God before me that I can so live my life knowing that if it comes to an end tonight that to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. We're on the winning team. We're not fighting for victory. We already got victory. Victory in Jesus, our Savior for... Let's say that together. Our Savior for... Do you believe that? You see, if... We need to know tonight that, that sitting at the feet of Jesus, here is a woman who, who is a known sinner. Everybody in the area knows it. The, the, the entire town knows it. The religious crowd, they knew it. And Jesus knew it. But Jesus loved her anyway. And I want to say to you, like I said last night, when people come to the doors of this church, I don't care what they look like, where they've been in life, Jesus is still touching and changing the hearts of people. And we've got to understand tonight that at the feet of Jesus, the first thing I want you to see as this woman cried, look what it says here in, 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 in this verse of Scripture, in verse 47. 
Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And he said to, and he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Those that sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Her tears didn't save her. Her alabaster box didn't save her. It was Jesus Christ that saved her. And Jesus Christ is who saves you. You can sit there and say, well, you know, Brother Gene, if I just get broken before God, well, that's the first step. You know, you've you got to understand you're a sinner and sin ought to break your heart that the God who spoke the world into being wants to have fellowship and intimate relationship with you. We spend our entire life trying to rub noses with somebody of importance. People stand in line for hours to get an autograph of somebody that they think is very special. But you have the ability to connect with Almighty God because God has given you an opportunity to do so when He loved you while we were yet sinners and He gave His Son Jesus Christ to go to the cross of Calvary and die. And through the shedding of blood, there's remission of sin. But guess what? A dead Savior is no Savior at all. On the third day, He arose from a grave. He's not a dead Savior. He's a living Savior. And we as the children of God ought to be alive. And yet every one of us come to the same place where by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not a works. These ten man should boast. The feet of Jesus... This woman was saved. Look at what it says in Luke chapter 8. I made reference to this, but I want you to see it tonight. The Bible says in chapter 8, verse, Luke chapter 8, verse 26, beginning in verse, 20, uh, verse 27, when Jesus stepped out on the land, He met a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. He wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tomb. The Bible tells us here that this man was in pretty rough shape. Matter of fact, he had demons. Society had trashed him. Nobody wanted him. They set him outside the city. We don't want you here. We, nobody can control you. You won't obey the rules. You're wild as can be. We don't want you nowhere around us. Society had trashed him. Threw him away like the garbage dump. And Satan tormented. I want to tell you something. Satan's tormenting and many a person a day through addiction, through lostness and separation. And we see here in the Word of God, here is a man that Satan had tormented and society had trashed. But look what it says here. And all of a sudden the demons, we see he sees Jesus and he, he cried out and fell before him in his loud voice and said, What should I do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High? God, I beg you not to torment and you know that it talks about how he had the shackles and he could not hold him. He had the power to break them. And all of a sudden, Jesus cast out those demons, those legions of demons out of him and cast them into the swine. And the Bible said the swine ran off the cliff 
And when a swine ran off the cliff, the Bible said that those who were watching there went back into the city and told those men who owned the, the swine, the pigs, and other people in the city, come, let me tell you, something drastic has happened out here. Uh, this is what happened to the, the pigs. They're gone. The swine is gone. And when they got here, I want you to see what it says in verse 35. Then when he went out to see what had happened, came to Jesus, he found the man from whom the demons had departed. The demons did what? Departed. Look what it says. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. You know those individuals you want to give up on? You know those people that have made mistakes time and time again? I, I deal with people at the Mission of the Cross there in Laurel, Mississippi, and it's a rehab center, and there's guys that have just burned bridges. They have lied, they have stolen, they have cheated, they have lied to their family so many times their family can't trust them at all. But I go down there and I sit down with them, and I've come to understand something. Every individual has a story to tell. If only you're willing to listen to the story. And before we get to that point where we think that we are, 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 are better sometimes than others, if you were raised in the same environment that some of these guys were raised in, you might have turned out the same way these guys turned out. Is that true? If you're raised in an environment where there's drinking and there's, and there's drugs and mom and dad's involved and every ungodly act is being done on the home, do you think we might be following the same pattern? And those guys, I listen to them, and they break because of the hurt and the pain. And I introduce them to Jesus, and they come to know Christ as their Savior. And all of a sudden, their yesterdays are no more. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God comes in. And all of a sudden, everything transforms. And now they've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And now there's a joy in their heart. There's a song in which they sing. And man, they're walking in the newness of life. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away, but all things become new. Is that right? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. If they become a new creature in Christ, do you think we ought to start treating them like new creatures? Don't, aren't you glad somebody don't hold your yesterday over your head for the rest of your life? And all of a sudden we see here from the Word of God, look what it says right here. It says here, look what it says. When Jesus came here, what did society do? Society trashed him. Satan tormented him. But Jesus transformed him. That's what Jesus can do. I'm telling you, we must not give up on any person in this community. Aren't you glad that God didn't give up on us? And so all of a sudden we see here, at the feet of Jesus. Look what it says here. This is good stuff right here. At the feet of Jesus. This man that could not be bound by any chains or rope. This man who walked around with no clothes on in total rebellion. This man who had no friends, nobody who cared anything about him. He had been trashed by society. Satan was tormenting him, but Jesus came and he transformed him. And look what it says here. It says, and when they came back, the man, the demons had departed from him, sitting at the feet of Jesus. At the feet of Jesus, Satan has to flee. You hear me? Satan has to flee at the feet of Jesus. What do we talk about in Matthew chapter 4? Remember when Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights? 
Remember when, when, when Satan comes to, 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 to tempt him? And, and he said, if you be who you say you are, won't you turn these stones into bread? And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. How do we defeat Satan? By the authority of the written word of God. But what does John say? John says in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory full of grace and truth. Amen? All of a sudden, this man who once was deemed possessed that everybody had given up on is now at the feet of Jesus, and he's clothed in righteousness, and he has the mind of Christ. We must never give up on people around us. You hear me? Never. As long as there's breath in their body, we need to love them the way Christ loves us. And we need to minister to them the way Christ instructs us to love them in spite of what's in their life. And have an opportunity to give them a hope that is inside of us. I, I remember when I was, uh, I was in a dental field before the Lord called me to preach and made dentures and crying and bridge work and stuff like that and these guys started coming by the house and they were showing me them oil field checks. So, pretty good. I got to thinking. If I go out here and work seven days, I work, make this kind of money, I come back in and I work a few days in the dental lab, get caught up in my, uh, cut back to maybe a dentist or two, and in just about a year, I'd have all my equipment, which cost a lot, paid for. I had it figured out. I went out there and I went to work in the oil field. And I worked seven days and I came in. And I went to church on Sundays when I was home and I read the Word of God and had church where I was out there. And I remember there were some guys out there, they were tough, strong, son. I'm going to tell you, they just loved to cuss. I think they loved to cuss more than they loved to breathe. And they were strong, my stars strong. And they'd go out at night, and they'd go out to the bars, and I'd stay at the, at the motel room, and I'd read my Bible, and they'd make fun of me. And I had a little Bible study I was doing. I was go through my Bible study. They made fun of me. Oh, they'd get me out in public. They'd just really kill me. Rape me over the coals, and all I needed to do is just simply stay faithful to God. Through the years, I was able to leave the oil field. I had my dental lab paid for. came back in, and then later on, God called me to preach. But before he called me to preach... I'll never forget one night I had a guy come knocking on the door. And boy, it was one of those big, strong ones. And he looked at me and said, Gene, he said, I need to talk to you. And we talked, and guess what? He came to know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. Those individuals that hound you and belittle you are going to be hunting for you if you live your life consistently under the leadership of the Spirit of God in accordance to the Word of God. Because in the midst of their crisis, that void inside of them that's searching for something to feel is going to lead them straight to you. You see what I'm saying tonight, guys, is, is we've got to understand there's people out in this community that need Jesus. Now, I know the society's done wrote them off. I know that people say they're never going to change. It's, it's their family. And I want to tell you something. Jesus breaks generational curses. That's one of the things that God's laid on our heart that this, this fall, Brent and I have already got our signs Sundays, like an ice cream center, are sweeter with Jesus. We're going out, we're going to go to those places nobody else wants to go, those little kids, 
and we're going to give them a Sunday with either chocolate or, or strawberry on top and give it to them, and we're going to have bounces out there so they can bounce and have a good time and get away from the filth and the junk they live in inside their community and their homes and tell them about the love of God that can be discovered personally through His Son, Jesus Christ. We've got to reach outside this walls if we're going to change our community. So at the feet of Jesus, we see that Sinners are saved. Feet of Jesus. Satan is defeated. But one last thing I want you to see. The Bible says also in the Word of God, in the book of Luke, I want you to go to verse, chapter 10, verse 38. This is our last one. Not happened as they went, as he entered a certain village, that a certain woman named Martha welcomed him to her house. She, she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at the feet of Jesus. Now, where was the woman who was saved? Where was she at? At the feet of Jesus. Crying, weeping, putting alabaster oil on his, on his feet, wiping her the tears from his feet with her hair. She was at the feet of Jesus. Where was the demon-possessed man when they came back to find him? He was at the feet of Jesus. Now, look at here. Here's Martha and Mary. It says she had a sister, Mary. Martha's sister was Mary, who also sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. Now, what do we say about being in it every night in revival? Every night, you've been in the Word of God. Every night, you have opened up God's Word, and God's Word has spoken to you. I pray He has spoken to you. But that's just not a revival thing. That ought to be an everyday thing as a born-again believer to get in the Word of God, seeking God's Spirit, Holy Spirit, to lead you to the truth that you need in your life that when Satan shows up, you rebuke him in the name of Jesus and you walk on the path of righteousness for his name's sake that you may be a representative of light of the Holy Spirit of God in a world that is filled with darkness. You see, the Bible says here that there's Mary, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Now, if we get honest, if you're a worker, you like to work, you expect other people to work, right? You ever had a men's work day? And a few men are doing all the work? And the rest of them are just sitting by the side and carrying on conversation? Y'all ain't never had that problem, have you? I look on your face. Ain't never had that problem, have you? you? You've been in a church function where you're trying to get everything together frantically. Maybe the lady's trying to get everything ready, all the, everything decorated, everything in its proper place of feeding, and yet there's some that just lack back and just sit there and talk. <laughs> That'd aggravate you on it. If we're honest, will it? If you're a worker, it'd aggravate you. When you're working, you expect everybody else to what? Be working. Well, Martha was there. She said, Lord, do you not care? I've been working my fingers to the bone. And Mary has been sitting here at your feet doing nothing. I've been doing all the work. Look what it says. Jesus said, answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, when Jesus calls your name twice, your mama ever call your name twice? That's depressing, isn't it? Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, 
and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. You see, you never go wrong when you stop and you get at the feet of Jesus. If we're not careful, we can get a lot of business for Him that we don't really spend time with Him. Am, am, am I telling the truth tonight? You can get busy doing a lot of things for Him, but I want to tell you, there is no substitute for sitting down with Him every day of your life and reading God's Word. And so if you want to stay in a state of revival, number one, you need to know that you've been saved. You need to know, like this woman, Jesus said to her, you have been saved, your sins have been forgiven. Now, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care if maybe you've had position. I've been in churches where I pastored. I baptized people who were the deacons. I baptized people who were, who were church musicians. I baptized people that were teachers. I baptized people who just came to that point in their life that they were living out of the realm of religion and what they were doing for God. And there's really not been a change here. I'm going to tell you something. No, nothing motivates you like the Holy Spirit of God illuminating the Word of God, putting you a desire in your heart to be in the will of God. Now all of a sudden, it's no longer about you, but it becomes all about Him. That's what Jesus said in Luke 9, 23. If any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. You know what He said? How often I got to deny myself? Daily. I have to read this Word Daily. Some days it's easier than others, but daily. So that I can feed it, be at the feet of Jesus. I want to tell you, I'm a high-strung individual. People come up to Brenda all the time and say, bless you, my darling. You married a gene that bless you, my darling. I'm telling you, that Kibbles and Bits commercial, I'm the little dog jumping over the back of the fat dog. Kibbles and Bits. I'm a high-strung individual. Man, I, I feed 500 people at a time. I love it. I love to get in it. I love for it to be fast-paced. I like that lane. But there's no substitute that when I get up to go feed people, whether it be 500 through a disaster relief, whether it be that of a tornado or a hurricane, there is no substitute for me stopping before I get there to be in the Word of God. Because I need God's Word to be in me so that I can share it as I minister the Word of God through service. Does that make sense? So, is, so I'm saying tonight, guys, is, is as we look at this, it says, it says we must understand that at the feet of Jesus, we need to study. I'm going to give you something in closing that I wrote down, and, and this is it. I, I want, if you have your piece of paper, I want you to write this down, because I think this can help you. You ready? I took the word siege. Siege means to be surrounded in order to capture. For me, the Word of God needs to be around me so that it can capture me. You understand what I'm saying? Let's take the word siege. I wrote down the word S in siege. Stop and listen to the Word of God. Have you ever read God's Word in your mind and somewhere else? Stop and listen to the Word of God. That day, Brenda, when I was watching the news, I was supposed to be talking to Brenda. Yes, baby, that's right, baby. I understand, baby. She said, tell me what I just said. 
when you get through reading the scripture, ask yourself the question, what did God, what, what has God said to me right here? Stop and listen. Not just read. Some people think if I just read my Bible. No. Stop and listen to what God, uh, listen to the word of God. I and sage. Identify what, uh, what stands out in the word of God. Uh, for example, when I was reading this, through this study about the man who was demon possessed and, 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 and the demons was cast out of him, boy, 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 I started thinking at the feet of Jesus. He, is, he is, once was naked, but now he's clothed. And at Jesus' feet, total surrender, we're clothed in righteousness. And, and his mind, he's got his right mind. He has the mind of Christ. And so he has a Christ-like mind. Boy, Satan coming after me, but I've got a power in me greater than he. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit of God that puts on me the, 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 the righteousness of God inside of me. And, the, and, this, and, the, and as I have in my life, the, the mind of Christ that causes me to draw truth from the Word of God, identify what, out, what, what stands out in the Word of God. E in the word siege, evaluate yourself according to the Word of God. Evaluate. God, what's going on in my life? I have to say, sometimes if I'm not careful, I can be a Martha. I can get so caught up in what i got to do that I forget to do the most important thing, and that's to sit at the feet of Jesus and get a word from Him before I do anything that day. Am I telling the truth? Can't we do that? Can't our agenda get so much our agenda? Have you ever noticed that when you stop losing the place where you ought to be at the feet of Jesus, it seems like the next day it gets easier and the next day because Satan takes you in a sudden drawing away that one day you wake up and say, wait a minute, I'm not even reading my Bible now. I'm not even in the Word of God. I'm not even praying now. G, grow from the Word of God. We, we ought to be growing. As I said Yet last night, you know, if, if, if one day God leads Brother Jeff to have me come back, and some of you after tonight said, please don't do that. And I understand that. There are some days Brenda don't even like me. I understand that. But if we meet again somewhere, I sure hope I'm more of a man of God next time we meet than I did this time. But that's not going to happen by accident. i got to be in the Word of God, just like you have to be in the Word of God. Amen? To grow. Now, the, Jesus said in John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him the same, bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do how much? That abiding in Christ is the only way we become fruit bearers. Is that right? So my growing is not only the fact that I grow, but I'm bearing fruit so others can see Christ in me. And so the Bible says, gee, last E, Engage in the world around you by showing and sh by sharing and showing the Word of God. I want to tell you something. When we get in the Word of God, we've got to learn to engage in the world around us. When I read the Word of God, I ask myself these questions. Is there an attitude that needs to change? Can you get us thinking attitude in our society today? I can get us thinking attitude when I go to Walmart sometimes. 47 checkout counters and they want you to do it. And then one day they had two used 
And they said, all oh, the checkout counters can't take cash. So now I got to go stand in line with 45 people with a preacher smile to pay cash. Is there, is there an attitude that needs to be changed? You know what God taught me about that Walmart line? Start talking to people about you, about people around you about Jesus. Sometimes you get up in line pretty quick. Oh, I forgot something. Let me tell you about Jesus. <laughs> Attitude to be changed. Second thing, a command to follow. Is there something that says, God says that we are to, by this all men know my disciples, by the way you love one another. The way, am I supposed to love one another? Can I pick and choose who I want to love? Absolutely not. Is there a command that has to be followed? Is there a truth that needs to be understood? Is there something that I need to go deeper in to get a clear understanding of what God's teaching me? And the last thing, is there a sin to be confessed or avoid? Tonight as we finish up the revival, I pray that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You'll not be able to stand before God one day and say, God, I just didn't know how to get there because I think this week... I think that through the Word of God, we talked about how to get to Jesus. You can't be saved till you know what you need to be saved from. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life to Jesus Christ our Lord. For by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourself is the gift of God, if any man should boast. My brother, Archie, and his wife, Shelly, have a son, TJ, that was in El Salvador. He's in the Navy. They finally saved up enough money to go down and see their son in El Salvador. He had met a girl and since then has married her, but at that time, they were just that going to get married stage. When he was working at a base from the airport, it was only about three miles away. They had to do all the COVID testing before they got there, and they went to the doctor, got all the COVID testing that they needed, they get in, fly into El Salvador, they get off the plane, they hand them the papers showing they've been COVID tested, and immediately they said, this is the wrong test. And they said, is there any way we could get tested here? And they said, absolutely not. You'll have to turn around, get right back on the plane, and go back to America. Their future daughter-in-law, now their daughter-in-law, is sitting out there, and in El Salvador, they love mothers. She was out there with a bouquet of flowers to give her future mother-in-law. And their son was just three miles down the road anticipating, hadn't seen his mom and dad in several years, looking forward to seeing them. And mom and dad were so excited about being there to see their son. And they turned them around and marched them right back on a plane and flew them right back to Miami, never allowing them to step foot outside of the airport. That's a sad story. But how sad is a story for people who think that when I die, I'm going to heaven. And all of a sudden, you realize that everything you thought that took you need to get you there was not enough. Because there's only one way you're going to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm going to give you some bad statistics. You ready? I told you I went to school in New Hebrew, and I'm one sharp cookie. Statistics show that one out of one person, is going to die. Is that right? Check me out. If the Lord tears, one out of one 
are going to die. And it's what you do with Jesus that determines your eternal destiny. When I was growing up, they tell me all the time, don't you want to have eternal life? Let me say to you, every individual on this earth that's going to have eternal life is just going to be in heaven through the blood atonement of God's Son, Jesus Christ, the glorious resurrection, or hell. But you get eternal life either way. But you only get to heaven one way, and that's through Jesus. You may be here tonight and there's some things in your life. Nobody in here knows about it. You know what your eyes watch. You know what your tongue says. You know what your ears listen to. You know who you are in your heart. And you fool everybody in this place. But I got some news for you. You cannot fool Almighty God. And tonight, if you need to come to this altar because you've come under the conviction of God's Holy Spirit and said, God, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Tonight you can come and say, Lord Jesus, I want to be cleansed. I want my heart to be pure. I want my hands to be clean. God, I want your Spirit to fill me and use me for your glory. God, I don't want to just go through the motions. I don't want to play games with you. God, I want to be in love with you. I want to have a passion for you. And God, I want to be sold out to you. Or maybe to here tonight, and you are guilty of doing a lot of work but doing very little sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now, I want to tell you, God's taught me some things along this way because I am that person. When you're getting ready to feed for 500 people and you're up at 3 o'clock in the morning because if you're going to feed people, you've got to be bid up early. But God's taught me to get in His Word first before I try to do anything for him. Because with his word, whatever comes my way, I have a word from God that not only can change my life, or has changed my life, but can change the life of somebody else. When we're giving away the food like we have in the disaster relief, we just, people line up in their cars. And I, Brendan won't let me serve. I'm high strung. I sling it all over the place. I mean, you may have baked beans and your tater salad, you, you, it ain't no telling what it's going to look like when I get through. Brennan said, go do something else. I do all the cooking. I have people to help me cut up stuff. Brenda, she takes care and has ladies lined up to serve how we're going to do it. I go out there and I learn. I take the plate. I go out to the car. And I said, I want to tell you something. There's a God in heaven that loved you so much that he gave his son Jesus to die for you. And I know you're going through a struggle right now in your life but Jesus Christ is the answer. And is there something I can pray with you about? And I don't care how hard-hearted that person may be. Tears often come to their eyes because in the midst of crisis, people are sensitive. Amen? And I've learned that I can take the plate and I can pray with them and hand them a plate and just put a nugget in their life about Jesus. That's a lot more than just handing them a plate, isn't it? God taught me that by sitting at his feet. And God's going to teach you some things sitting at his feet. So I want to challenge you this rest of, rest of your life. Get at the feet of Jesus. Start there. And just see what he does in your life and through your life. Tonight, we're going to give this invitation. I just felt like God wanted me to wind this up. If you need to be saved, tonight's a good night to get saved. And, and, and I want to tell you, you know, uh, Bridget was sharing with Brendan and uh, Brother Jeff was sharing with me about Bridget, about her salvation experience. 
and that took place later on after she was a preacher's wife. I want to tell you something. If tonight you've never been saved, I believe this church that I know right now is going to rejoice if one person gave their heart to Jesus. Don't care who you are, what title you hold, what position you have, they're going to rejoice if you give your life. If you sit here and be doubting, am I saved or am I not? Let me tell you, God does not want you to be a question mark. He wants you to be an explanation point. You ought to know that you know that you know that you're saved. And if you don't, tonight's a good night. And guess what? If nobody wanted to say a word tonight, the Bible says that the angels in heaven rejoice when one lost sinner gets saved. Wouldn't you love to hear the hallelujah chorus tonight? And maybe you're here tonight and there's some things in your life. You don't have to come to Brother Jeff. He's not going to take his collar and pull it up like a priest and let you confess to him. You can go right here to the Father, right here to Jesus, say, Jesus, there's some things in my life you already know about it, but Lord, I'm coming to say to you that I am forsaking them. I am laying them down at your feet. I am turning from them. I am repenting of my sin. And I am putting both hands in the air saying, Lord, I want you to hold me, mold me, shape me to become everything you want me to be because I choose to live in a state of revival. Or maybe you're here tonight. And you do a lot of things. And some things lacking in your life. And that's the Word of God. I want to tell you something. If we'll get back in the Word of God, we'll start claiming the victory that is rightfully ours. Amen? You won't be running from people coming to your house knocking on the door on Saturday morning. When you've got a word from God, you're waiting for them folks, ain't you? Come on in. <laughs> Come on in. Let's look at what God's Word says. So whatever God's laid in your heart to do, I want you to know I love you, and I thank God for each one of you. Thank for your faithfulness to be here. And I pray tonight that God move in our hearts. God's touching our heart in any way. Pray for a lost person. Do whatever we need to do. Will you just be obedient? Brother Anthony, come. You may have to help him up. You know, I got stove up. Brother Jeff. As Brother Anthony begins to play, if you will, please stand, bow your heads, and close your eyes. And if the Lord's laid it on your heart, whatever He's asked of you, whatever He's told you, you come and get it right with Him. If you need to come and pray for a lost person in your family or that person that's close to you at work or a friend, you come and pray for them now. Whatever God has put on your heart, you follow Him. Gene told you about Bridget being saved as I was a pastor. We went back to the church that we were serving. She was the pastor's wife. And I was a little bit afraid about how they might react. But when she told them that she had been saved, they cheered for her. They praised the Lord because she knew she was saved and they knew she was saved. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Thinking about someone cheering for you. As you come to Jesus, as you turn everything to Him, you've got a church that's cheering you on. You've got people who love you enough to help you along. What is the Lord speaking to you tonight? There's still room at the altar up here.